This is the Daily Signal podcast for Thursday, September 24th. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Rachel Del Judas. Justin Safey is a government relations consultant, digital entrepreneur, and attorney who has known Judge Barbara Lagoa for 20 years. He's also the publisher of the Safey Review. Judge Lagoa is a Cuban-American federal appellate judge who is a frontrunner to fill the Supreme Court seat vacated by the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He joins me on the Daily Signal podcast to talk about his friend and potential Supreme Court nominee. Don't forget, if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Now, on to our top news. President Trump says he plans to sign a new executive order that will protect babies born alive after botched abortions. Speaking at the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast Wednesday, the president said, I will always protect the vital role of religion and prayer in American society, and I will always defend the sacred right to life. Trump added that the executive order will ensure that all precious babies born alive no matter their circumstances, receive the medical care that they deserve. The Born Alive Infant Protection Act has been introduced to Congress multiple times, but has not received the bipartisan support needed to become law. The president did not specify at the Wednesday breakfast the timeline of when he plans to sign the Born Alive executive order. President Trump on Wednesday announced new sanctions on Cuba. The sanctions restricts imports of Cuban alcohol and tobacco and keeps Americans who are going to Cuba from staying in properties owned by the Cuban government. Here's what Trump had to say about the new Cuba sanctions via the White House. Today, as part of our continuing fight against communist oppression, I am announcing that the Treasury Department will prohibit U.S. travelers from staying at properties owned by the Cuban government. We're also further restricting the importation of Cuban alcohol and Cuban tobacco. These actions will ensure that U.S. dollars do not fund the Cuban regime and go directly to the Cuban people. Big difference, big difference, really. We're also imposing strict sanctions on the dictatorships of Nicaragua and Venezuela. On Wednesday, a ruling was made in the case of Breonna Taylor, a Kentucky woman who was shot and killed in her home in March. A Jefferson County, Kentucky grand jury has charged former Louisville police officer Brent Hankison with three counts of wanton endangerment of the first degree. The state defines wanton endangerment as manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human life and engaging in conduct which creates a substantial danger of death or serious physical injury to another person. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron said the jury's charge could land the former officer in prison for up to five years. Cameron added that my office is prepared to prove these charges at trial. However, it's important to note he is presumed innocent until proven guilty per CNN. The other two officers involved in the shooting have been found to have been justified in their use of force. Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts delivered remarks Wednesday honoring the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg during a private ceremony at the Supreme Court. Here's what Roberts had to say via ABC News. Jane, Jim, the entire Ginsburg family, on behalf of all the justices, 
the spouses of the justices, and the entire Supreme Court family, I offer our heartfelt condolences on the loss of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That loss is widely shared, but we know that it falls most heavily on the family. Justice Ginsburg's life was one of the many versions of the American dream. Her father was an immigrant from Odessa. Her mother was born four months after her family arrived from Poland. Her mother later worked as a bookkeeper in Brooklyn. Ruth used to ask, what is the difference between a bookkeeper in Brooklyn and a Supreme Court justice? Her answer, one generation. It has been said that Ruth wanted to be an opera virtuoso, but became a rock star instead. But she chose the law. Subjected to discrimination in law school and the job market, because she was a woman, Ruth would grow to become the leading advocate fighting such discrimination in court. She was not an opera star, but she found her stage right behind me in our courtroom. There, she won famous victories that helped move our nation closer to equal justice under law, to the extent that women are now a majority in law schools, not simply a handful. Later, she became a star on the bench, where she sat for 27 years. Her 483 majority, concurring, and dissenting opinions will steer the court for decades. Now stay tuned for my conversation with Justin Safey, a government relations consultant, digital entrepreneur, and attorney who has known Judge Barbara Lagoa for 20 years. He joins me on the Daily Signal podcast to talk about his friend and potential Supreme Court nominee. Conservative women, conservative feminists. It's true, we do exist. I'm Virginia Allen, and every Thursday morning on Problematic Women, Lauren Evans and I sort through the news to bring you stories and interviews that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women. That is, women whose views and opinions are often excluded or mocked by those on the so-called feminist left. We talk about everything from pop culture to policy and politics. Search for Problematic Women wherever you get your podcasts. I'm joined today on the Daily Signal podcast by Justin Safey. He's a government relations consultant, digital entrepreneur, and attorney who has known Judge Barbara Lagoa for 20 years. He's also the publisher of the Safey Review. Judge Lagoa is a Cuban-American federal appellate judge who is the front runner to fill the Supreme Court seat vacated by the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mr. Safey, it's great to have you with us on the Daily Signal podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, thank you so much for making time to be with us today. Can you just start off by telling us about how you know Judge Lagoa? Uh, sure. Um, I had worked in Florida for uh, Governor Jeb Bush as a spokesman and policy advisor. And when I left the state capitol and returned to the Miami area, uh, I became involved once again in the Federal Society. I had started the chapter of the Federal Society at the University of Miami law school when I was in law school there. And uh, I got involved in the Federal Society chapter and uh, I was on a judicial nominating commission that nominated uh, state court judges. And as a result of those two activities, I, uh, I met uh, Judge Lagoa and her, her husband, Paul Huck. And 
they became good friends of mine. We were ideological soulmates uh, in many ways, uh, not just with our uh, interest in the federal society, but in other areas as well. So that's kind of how our friendship started, and that was in 2001. We'll be talking more about her personal and professional accomplishments, but as a friend, first of all, Judge Lagoas, what would you like to say about her in that capacity? Sure. Well, the thing that's to me remarkable about her is that uh, she's the same person now than she that she was when I first met her uh, 19 years ago, uh, in the sense that uh, you know it can be a challenge sometimes for people who become judges to uh, to retain their sense of humility especially when you've been elevated uh, like Judge Lagoa has. Uh, she's been appointed by two governors, Governor Jeb Bush put her on the state appellate court and Governor Ron DeSantis, our current governor in Florida, put her on the state Supreme Court. And then President Trump nominated her and she was confirmed by the Senate to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, federal court. So despite all of the judicial uh, elevations and uh, powerful positions she's been in, she's still the same person has the same amount of uh, humility that she had when I first met her. And that's one of the things I admire most about her. Well, Judge Lagoa was the first Latina to serve on Florida Supreme Court. What else would you like to share about her career and how she's broken glass ceilings? Right. Well, you you mentioned a big one there. Uh, First Latina to serve on the Florida Supreme Court, uh, long overdue. And she well qualified for that position and was the first act of the newly elected, newly inaugurated Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. It's the first official act he took was to announce he was appointing her to the Supreme Court. And she has distinguished herself in her career as a jurist, both on the state appellate court before she was on the state Supreme Court. So her writing has been clear. She has an intellectual force that she uh, writes with. And you know, I think that she's got a career uh, of writing hundreds and hundreds of opinions. So her, her judicial philosophy is, is well known. And it's one that I, that I respect and admire. We mentioned her hundreds and hundreds of opinions that she's written. Are there any specific cases Judge Lagoa has been part of that have particularly stood out to you? Well, you know, I am not a follower of the appellate courts, and so I don't practice that kind of law. Um, I think that a lot of the cases she dealt with when she was on the state court were different types of state litigation matters. And uh, one case that's of recent vintage that was recently decided when she was on the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals was interpreting uh, a newly passed constitutional amendment in the state of Florida, um, which was known in Florida as Amendment 4, that the voters passed uh, in 2018 statewide, and it allows for um, convicted felons to regain their right to vote uh, if they complete all terms of their sentence. Uh, This was challenged uh, by certain uh, activists and activist groups, and uh, this decision was just recently decided, uh, and Judge Lagoa uh, wrote with the majority uh, opinion, uh, it was in support of the majority opinion, that found that that uh, requirement that the uh, felons complete all terms of their sentence, uh, including restitution and fines, before they're allowed to vote, uh, was constitutional. Uh, so to me, I think that's probably a, a most recent case and the one that's received a fair amount of publicity uh, that kind of talks to and speaks to 
the type of judge that she is and, and her judicial philosophy. Well, are there any ways Judge Lagoa has mentored young people, especially young women, that you would like to highlight? Well, I don't know uh, for certain, but I do know that she has had a number of uh, clerks in her position uh, on the state appellate court. And uh, I know that she's had clerks as well on the Supreme Court and the 11th Circuit Court of Appeal. And I think that that's one of the ways that she has uh, been able to mentor young people, young lawyers, uh, provide them with uh, guidance and obviously an incredible uh, opportunity to work that closely with a judge. So um, I don't know any of her clerks personally, but I know it's something that she uh, definitely uh, values and has definitely done over her career. Well, you had mentioned the judge's humility and all the different opportunities she's had that she has just retained this humility and sense of perspective. Is there anything else about her in more that personal light as a friend, as a mom, other things you've observed that can illustrate to others herself as a person? Sure, absolutely. I would say two things. One is the fact that her parents, she's the daughter of immigrants. And not just the daughter of immigrants, but her parents fled a communist dictatorship in Cuba and came to the United States. And Barbara was born, uh, for those of us who are from South Florida, you know, she was born uh, in a very working class uh, neighborhood, uh, Hialeah, Florida, to those who are familiar with the Miami-Dade County area. And so she, from that, those humble beginnings, uh, she went to the public university there, Florida International University in Miami, and then amassed a stellar academic career and was admitted to Columbia Law School uh, in, in New York City. And so I think that that is a classic uh, American story. The daughter of immigrants flee uh, dictatorship, and their daughter not only gets admitted to a Ivy League law school, but then is now being considered for a position on the United States Supreme Court. So I, I think that that's one thing that people who want to know more about her really would be well served to understand is that uh, she, her upbringing in that, in her family, uh, in that exile experience that her parents uh, had uh, was very formative uh, of her early years and of her appreciation for the rule of law, her appreciation for the American form of government, the appreciation for the freedoms that we enjoy as Americans, and the importance of separation of powers, the importance that each branch of government uh, only do, only exercise power within their respective branch, especially the judicial branch, which we know from the framers, they put it as Article 3 behind the Congress and behind the president as the least of the three branches and the weakest branch of, of government. So I think that's, uh, that's, uh, that's one thing. The second thing on a personal level is uh, her family. Uh, I happen to have uh, twin boys, identical twin boys, and she and her husband had uh, fraternal twin daughters. So she and I over the years would, uh, would uh, have a support group, a, a parents of twin support group, and we would kind of enjoy the, all the stories that parents tell each other about all the challenges and the rewards of, of being parents of twins. And so she's really remarkable in the sense that she's had a very successful professional career by any standard, by any measure, but she's also 
been an exceptional uh, mother and, uh, and, and an exceptional woman in her family. So that's, that's another thing that's really, truly remarkable to me as a, as a friend of hers. Well, thanks for sharing that. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed away on Friday, and since that time, um, so much has happened in the media. What is your perspective on how the media has covered not only Judge Lagoa, but also the whole situation at the Supreme Court so far? Yeah, I think that uh, the media has, uh, look, Justice Ginsburg, as President Trump said, uh, led an amazing life and a remarkable life. And again, that's a true, unique uh, American story as well. And so I think that uh, the, the kudos and the honors and the, the accolades are for Justice Ginsburg are, are well-deserved. And uh, that's entirely appropriate in my view. Uh, I, I think that when it comes to looking at Judge Lagoa and the other well, very well-qualified candidates, uh, I think that so far the coverage has been pretty, has been pretty uh, fair, relatively speaking. I mean, it's, uh, I'm kind of grading on a curve a little bit because I don't have high marks for how the, the news media has covered uh, this president. Um, but uh, I think if I grade on a curve, they've been relatively, uh, relatively fair. Now, once President Trump makes his nomination, uh, I would say all bets are off. I think the, the long knives will come out and they're already being sharpened, I imagine, right now. Uh, we saw what happened to, to Justice uh, Kavanaugh when he went through the uh, confirmation process. And uh, I expect that this could be uh, as brutal, uh, if not more brutal than, than that one, unfortunately. I, I don't want to see that happen. I hope it doesn't happen, but um, it seems like that's, uh, that's a possibility. Well, as we wrap up, is there anything else about Judge Lagoa that you would like to share that we haven't yet talked about? Well, uh, I think it's also important to note that uh, she's a woman of faith. Uh, she uh, is... Uh, her daughters uh, all attend uh, all girls Catholic school, and I know that her faith is is very important to her uh, in her life. And uh, she's just uh, someone who I'm proud and honored to see the president uh, consider her for this for this position. And I think the people that don't know her, um, whether she ascends to the high court uh, or not, or she stays on the 11th Circuit Court of Appeal, uh, to me, I I take comfort in the fact that. Someone with her uh, moral character, someone with her philosophy, judicial philosophy of judicial restraint and respect for the limited role of the judiciary uh, is on the bench and is not interested in inserting her own personal opinions uh, into her decision making as a judge. So that's something, I guess, that uh, is important, I think, for protection of our democracy and uh, whether she continues to serve on the 11th Circuit or on the Supreme Court, I think that uh, all Americans be proud that someone of her background and of her caliber is serving all of us uh, in this uh, important position. Well, Justin, thank you so much for joining us on the Daily Signal podcast. We appreciate having you. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Rachel Del Judas. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. 
For more information, visit DailySignal.com.